Well, Matt. Well, we're weeks. here. We're here for twelve more weeks. How uh, how how have you accepted the news of the uh, extension of the stay-at-home order? Have not taken it in. Have not uh, uh, accepted it. Uh, it's really it's a one day at a time operation around here. How about you? A little bit the same. A little bit the same. Yeah. I mean, I I can't say that I didn't see it coming. We knew there was going to be some kind of an extension, right? So this happens to be an incredibly long one. Um, And I've just decided to feel good about it because there's what, I don't know, you know, the option is just not attractive to me. You know what I mean? I I don't want to be frustrated for 12 more weeks. I want to get this shit done. I want to take it seriously. And then when it's over, I want to, I want to hug the world. Burst you know back I mean? I into wanna, real life. I want to yes. burst back into real life. I want to uh, come forth confidently, which I, I hope that we will be allowed to do uh, because of this 12 more weeks. I don't know. Um, oh, God. Everyone outside of LA thinks it's crazy. Uh, I'm getting a lot of like, oh, this is tyranny, that kind of thing. I'm hoping all of those people get the fuck over themselves and uh, just get through the next uh, 12 weeks. It's three months to get some fucking projects done, Matt. Get some stuff done and watch some TV. Watch, watch some episodes of We're Here on HBO. Why don't you? How about that? Is, How about that? Beautifully photographed. Oh. Uh, emotionally devastating show. Yes. Hilarious and heartbreaking and exactly what the world needs right now. We're obviously on a real tear promoting We're Here just simply because we love it so much. Yeah. It's a um, great one. Um, our guest this week. Ms. Eureka O'Hara. Yes, the one and only. And we recorded this like early days of the shutdown. So uh, you might, there might be a little more hope in our voices uh, during this interview. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. See if you you can tease out the hope in our voice. As we welcome Eureka O'Hara. We're here. We're back with Eureka O'Hara. Hello. Hi. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Eureka, is everyone in your inner circle healthy and safe? Yeah, thank goodness. Honestly, I don't know anyone except a friend of mine, uh, Luscious Mascara, whom has had the virus yet. So I'm very lucky. Like no one in my family or anything has like tested positive or shown any high symptoms so i'm very lucky great and what's your current pandemic uh quarantine situation yeah well i'm in los angeles um at my apartment i was actually going to go home to tennessee but like everything kept messing up so my family still lives in tennessee that's where i'm from and of course my initial reaction as a family person was to go straight home and be there with them and try to be the hero and whatever you know um that lovely hero complex most of us live with. Um, But I decided not to because everything kept messing up. Like my flight and stuff kept getting rescheduled. I even went all the way to the airport and they were like, I had the boarding pass on my phone and they're like, oh, we don't have your boarding pass in the system. And I was like, well, it's right here. And then they tried to move my seat from first class to coach. And I was like, I'm going home. Uh -uh. No, 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 (laughs) that's not going to work. It's a good reason to stay home. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so what are you watching or listening to or reading to get you through this? 
Yeah. Oh my God. Everything. So I'm watching, um, honestly, I'm obsessed with the voice and American Idol and it's on right now. So that's helpful for me. Um, I also really love that. Um, what is it? Uh, little fires or like little fire fires. Everywhere. fires everywhere. Yeah. Little fires everywhere. Oh my God. So good. I just saw the new episode. Um, I have oh, the, the, today's new Tiger episode. King. Huh? You saw today's new episode. Well, no, I just, I guess I just oh. saw the newest that's on Hulu. Yeah. And it's Wednesday. Can- new one's out. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe I did see it then. Um, it was like, oh, I don't know. I hope there's another one. I know. It's so good. Um, I know I always say like women drinking wine is my favorite genre of TV show. My and favorite genre of TV about. show, period. Absolutely. I'm also uh, listening to a lot of like just new music. I keep it on like A-pop lists and like some old school too. I guess I'm reading self-help books. I'm also reading a meditation book. So I'm a huge fan of the subtle art of not giving a fuck. I read it like once every six months. Um, but I've just started reading this new one called You Are a Badass. And um, I, oh, I have that. I also have that. Work. Have you all read it? I don't think I, think I did. Read that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember, actually. I've, I've, I've flipped through it, but I don't know that I can say I've read it. Everyone always says they have the book, but haven't haven't read it. I've made it. It's through the like infinite jest so of self help books. Yeah, yeah, it's true. There's uh, a lot of them, but yeah, it's there. I could dive in. Give it a shot. I, got I've the enjoyed time. the first half so far. I've been telling people, I'm like, girl, listen. If you wanted to read a book or start a new craft or learn something, and you're not doing it right now, it ain't because you didn't have the time. It's because you didn't have the drive, girl. Right, right. Because we've all got right. the time. Cause you got the time. How else are you filling your time when you're not doing, you know, uh, podcast interviews on zoom? <laughs> Honestly, I'm doing a lot of press right now for the show, which is helpful. So it's keeping me busy. There's also just a lot of marketing stuff that we're working on for the show, uh, things like that. And I have other shows that I'm, I'm being a part of to like help, um, like some of the local entertainers. I'm doing a drag show tonight and just volunteering my time to kind of get them viewers for their digital show. Um, I'm also like, doing a varsity gay league here in Los Angeles is doing like a fundraiser for local crises, victims and families and stuff like that. Um, and so like the gay kickball team here is doing like, there's a several of them going to dress up and do their best performance uh, in quarantined home. And I'm going to like be live on Facebook, like reading them down and judging them, you know, and just talking mm-hmm. shit and having fun and raising money. Uh, so just doing stuff like that, you know, you're booked and busy. Booked, busy, and blessed, honey. Triple B's. But you know, Triple B's, when I was younger, my dad used to call me Big Butt Bertha on the CB. <laughs> so you I'm always sorry? been Triple B. I've always been Triple B. So now I'm just <laughs> busy, booked, and blessed. I used to be Big Butt Bertha, mama. So we, we all glow up. <laughs> <laughs> um, any favorites from or thoughts on the current season of Drag Race? Yeah, I love the current season. I mean, um, I'm obsessed with Widow Von Du. I think she's so fun. Uh, I, I'm i obsessed with Gigi Good. I think she's also very talented. Um, the two of them kind of remind me of me and Aquaria from season 10 in a way. Because mm. like, I feel kind of Widow Von Du vibes. And I feel, um, I feel like she very much has uh, Aquaria vibes. So it's, it's interesting. Um, who else? Crystal Method's fun. I like a lot of them, honestly. 
I hate the whole situation with Sherry Pie because I'm like, I'm also the type of person that like, when someone tells me I can't see something or I can't like something, it makes me want to see yeah. it even more. Yeah, I'm like, I don't like what she did and I don't appreciate or support it, but there's like this whole like rebellious side of me that's like, don't put a runway not on the fucking runway because now I want to see the runway. Now I want to get to know her. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, they've been crafty of- about the editing because sometimes it's the end of the episode and I'm like, wait, we didn't see her on the runway. I know, it's weird. They're- so it's like just editing her out makes me want to get to know her even more. It's terrible. Yeah. <clears throat> They're giving her the poochie edit. It's just, it's like she's just missing. Like it's, it's, you notice it. It's awkward, honestly. It's kind of cringy sometimes. Yeah. Were you familiar but, with her uh, before the show? So I met her a couple times in New York, so yes. Um, and honestly, I she was always such a sweet, sweet person. And I think that's kind of the thing, right? I mean, most of the time, um, you know, it's the nicest, most talented people that sometimes deal with the biggest mental issues, right. you know? So, But she always was just so sweet and kind to me, you know? That's all I knew of her. And she was really talented, super theater queen, you know, really talented. It's a bummer. I I am just curious what that, what life looks like after a disaster like this, you know, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that there's, there's a difference in controversy because of something that you've said or like, you know, a behavior um, like that versus something that you physically did. And I think that when it comes to predatorial hashtag me too situations, we're in such a sensitive time full of so many survivors that it's kind of almost, it seems, it seems impossible to kind of bounce back from the idea of it. You don't Mm -hmm. really see people bounce back from something like that. So um, as far as like in our history thus far, you know, it's not something people are very forgiving about. Right. Certainly not when somebody is is kind of just coming up. Um, it's and a it's tough your one. first, yeah. It's your first. Uh, it's the first thing you get to know about them. Yeah. Yeah, and also it, it really seemed like she, in her statement she didn't really get the severity of it. Yeah, the statement I think was definitely tricky for sure. It was a little lighthearted to, for the for right. what it was. Yeah. 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 It was a little like well, that the... was a, well. It was a little, it was a little, um, I guess I got, what I got from it was just very like, well, I didn't love myself then, but I do now. So you all should forgive me kind of energy. Right. And I'm just like, well, that's Mm. growth is for yourself, but people's perception are their own. So. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's more about the people that got hurt, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, Bless her heart. So. I'd love to just talk a little bit about your drag beginnings because I know you came out of the pageant system and your drag mother is Jacqueline St. James. Oh, yeah. And just curious, like, how how one becomes a drag daughter, how, how, how that is bestowed on you, how you choose a drag mother, just, like, what that process looks like. Yeah, I think, honestly, in the authentic um, drag, like, heritage i guess and like the way it works in general is it's kind of like who you look up to right so like if there's a queen that you really aspire to be like or that you really enjoy locally you kind of just start showing that support you let them know that you're interested in drag or you start drag and then you also kind of prove to them that you're taking it seriously that you want to be a part of it 
And you also show your um, your support and loyalty to that drag family as well, right? So you show up for them. So if like that family's competing in a pad, you show up. You know, you, you put everything into it that you can help to be a part of the family. It's just about supporting each other. You know, in the gay community in general, we create um, we create chosen family because a lot of times we all lose a lot of our family when we come out or because of uh, decisions that we make about our livelihoods, et cetera. Um, so it's just a way for us to find like solace and community that's a little deeper than just like friends at the bar. You know what I mean? It's a support system we have to create for ourselves. So that's kind of it. You just find people that you vibe with, that you want to support and that want to support you back because you're showing how serious you are. And that's kind of how it happened with me and Jacqueline. Um, is she, she wasn't my original drag mother. It took her time to like see me really polish myself and work hard at it and take it seriously before she was like, okay, I'll take you under my wing and you can call me mama and you can, you know, take my last name and do whatever you want with it, which I of course kept it silent because I was Eureka O'Hara. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't, I never wanted to be like have her name necessarily, but I guess my full drag name would be Eureka Bell O'Hara hyphen St. James. Which has a nice ring to it. It does. It is. It's a lot. <laughs> and we, we get to see you kind of like pass the baton to several drag daughters and, and, and we're here and obviously you're doing that in life as well. But when you are, when you are Eureka O'Hara and everybody wants to be your drag daughter, how do you sort of pick and choose? Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of that same thing. It's just seeing seriousness, seeing raw talent, uh, people that you can rely on. I think for me, I'm a big trust person. If you're someone that's like true to your word um, and you follow through with what you say you're going to do, you can really like buy so much of my attention with those. Um, so that's kind of what it is for me. Just show up. You know, I think when people show up, it tells you everything you need to know about them. Right. Um, in the first episode of we're here, your drag daughter, the, it's, uh, this is not a spoiler at all, but it's, um, your, your drag daughter is actually a mom who is, um, kind of trying to make peace with her daughter. Mm -hmm. There is this beautiful scene where you sit down with a group of moms who are, I guess, sort of from the um, free hugs for moms movement. Mm -hmm. Is that accurate? Um, and uh, it, it's just so moving. And um, I, and you talked a lot about your own mom and I know you lost her shortly before filming and, and that she I guess I'd just love to hear you talk a little bit about your own mom and how she shaped your identity. Yeah, I mean, honestly, well, for drag in general, I get my name from her. So I'm actually a junior. So my real name is David Lee Hugger Jr. I was named after my dad. So when I decided to do drag, I decided to name myself after my mom, who is Ulrika in the German sense. It's U-L-R-I-K-E. But we had a Eureka vacuum cleaner, so I just thought it was fitting. So I spell it like the vacuum cleaner. So it's E-U-R-E-K-A. So that way people can pronounce it. So my name Eureka actually comes from her, you know, and to me, she was, she's just like, she's what I kind of designed this whole character around. She was a six foot one German woman with hair that was way too big and always was like glamorous and put together, you know, and she was a very powerful woman, a single mom, raised three kids, you know, worked a factory job, like a man's job, 12 hours a day, seven days a week, most of my life. Like, she was a boss-ass bitch, you know what I mean? So that's what she shaped me to be. I mean, it took me a while to find 
the seeds that she planted in me, you know what I mean? Through my own insecurity and bullying and just like finding myself as like an adult and like loving myself truly, right? Like the things we all kind of go through. But, you know, she planted those seeds early in life that like what I was doing was okay and that I was beautiful and I could be happy and I could be successful. And like all those things that I know now are all just seeds that have been watered over the years by myself, but she planted, you know what I mean? Mm. So, um, yeah, I just, I owe a lot to the woman. She's a great gal. (laughs) Mm. I miss her very much. And how did we're here come to you or how did that, how did your paths cross with that show? No, I actually had a friend message me and say, Hey, there's these, this couple that wants your number, uh, you know, and I was like, Oh, a date. <laughs> <I was kidding. laughs> um, but no, it was not a date, uh, but they did want to meet me for lunch. So I met with Johnny and Steven, um, who are the creators of the show. They just kind of picked my brain about it and was like, hey, we have this idea. What do you think? We think you would be really great for it. You know, we really want like someone that has your attributes, like a big personality, also kind of loving and, you know, but with also like, you know, coming from a small town and just kind of my story in general seemed to fit with like the idea they had, right? And then they asked me about other girls that I liked and they kind of told me who they were thinking about, you know, and for me, Bob was immediately someone that I was like, absolutely, you should work with him just because he's so smart and like, He understands politics and also um, PC culture in a way that a lot of people don't and and in a way that he's able to communicate it, I think, which is really important for a show like this. And then Shangela, too, when she was brought up, I was just like, you know, her personality and just like the work she's built herself up to being um, the entity that she is and the brand that Shangela is, is just a lot of hard work, you know, dedication and just a personality that kind of is just likable period for anybody so um it just seemed to kind of all fit weirdly we had a few meetings and then um the the idea of the show obviously was ideal you know and it was hbo so it was kind of hard to say no you know what i mean um and then it just kind of started to build and it just kept happening and i was just like oh like this idea and stuff that you all had y'all are really going to make this happen and i'm going to be a part of it you know what i mean yeah So, um, and they brought us on as consulting producers for the show, you know what I mean? And we're, you know, leading talent. So it's just like, and they treat us so amazingly, you know, HBO is such great hosts as far as like taking care of you. It's just, it's an incredible dynamic to be a part of. Yeah. We, uh, we just interviewed Bob and we're saying that it, uh, uh, I love it so much and it, it, it's, it's, so heartwarming and had so many good cries uh and it's kind of the perfect show for right now so i'm, I'm excited necessary cries it. yeah yeah there are definitely some cries in there for sure oop sorry it's my niece it's okay my niece is trying okay. to call she's like i'm like sis i'm working i'll call you back <laughs> <laughs> she's the cutest my um so my older sister just got out of prison today, which is her mom. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, so it's kind of like a big deal in my family right now. I wish I was there. But they're all like, you know, just went and picked her up from the jailhouse, honey. And wow. <laughs> yeah. My family is very backwoods Tennessee, mama. Yeah. Uh, 
And yeah. uh, 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 what was what was the um, the scene for her in prison in terms of? Uh, of um, is there are, are there like quarantine concerns since she's been around so many people? Yeah. Or how does this work? I don't know. I haven't asked honestly. I just kind of got to say hi on Instagram Live and like a Facetime moment. So I don't mm-hmm. know yet. I'll have to get back to you. Wow, interesting. Uh, so, where in Tennessee did you grow up? Uh, East Tennessee, so it's called uh, Johnson City, Tennessee. But I was born in Bristol, Tennessee, uh, which is like a little Tri Cities area. You know, <laughs> anywhere like that, it's like there's several little cities that make up the area you live in. So right. uh, the eastern tip, like literally that little eastern tip that connects to Virginia and Kentucky, there, that area. Uh-huh. Okay. And how does he, how does a young gay David? survive um how did i survive staying busy you know i was i was involved in everything in high school i was still bullied and got picked on but um it helped that i was also student government president and like head of the drama club and track and field and football and you know what i mean everything i could possibly be an upward bound like you know so i just kept myself busy um and uh, I worked too, so I had a job, and I just kept myself busy. I guess put myself into everything. Um, that was kind of how I was able to like cover up all the like, you know, the the loneliness and the and the sadness of not understanding who I was at the time and and where I would fit in was just by like staying busy and forcing my way in everywhere. You're right. So it makes yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know when you're in charge of shit, people usually just leave you alone. Right. So. Um, and you're coming out like it is for many people was, you know, a, is it sort of an ongoing process? Um, but take us back to the sort of first stage of that. Um, I had several coming outs because I've had quite the journey of, of a life with gender like expression and also like identity in that sense, too. So my first time coming out was definitely junior year of high or senior year of high school. Like halfway through the year, I came out, uh, which I had like a fake ID. So I was going to the club as much as I could. And like, you know, I almost didn't graduate because of the second semester of my senior year. I was an honor roll student. All like, four, well, the only reason I graduated was because I was an honor roll student all four years of high school until that last semester. I just kind of gave up because I was like partying and like living my gay fantasy life and wearing guy liner and too much gel. Um, so that's kind of how I came out. You know, I lost pretty much all of my friends. Um, my family was a little upset at first just because they felt like they had defended me for so long. Um, like ever since I could remember just cause I was always overly flamboyant. So they were just kind of pissed off cause they felt like they, you know, that, that I lied to them for so long and it just caused them to fight with so many people. Like, you know, my mom fought for me in a way sometimes where, like, we moved because of it at times. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was pretty rough, you know, um, because they would stick up for me and people would, like, call them liars and be like, no, he's gay, blah, blah, and just make such a big deal out of it. And so there were a lot of situations where it really affected our lives, them defending me. So that was kind of the biggest annoyance. And then, like, losing friends, like, my best friend, and then getting kicked out of the church that I was going to, you know, like, they just didn't want my kind there, you know. It was just a lot of like abandonment and isolation and it really pushed me into the night scene um, of the clubs. And, you know, I got, I didn't really get involved in like drink or anything, but I met a guy who was like really into the character Eureka. And then like, um, you know, and then I started messing with like gender fluidity and then 
um, transitioned at the time to live female. And then so I had to come out as a woman too. And it was just, my coming out story has just been all over the place. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you're stereotypical, but I guess they all kind of are similar. And, uh, but and then you came to kind of understand gender and and your own identity differently again, right? There's sort of been another stage. Yeah, so I retransitioned um, whenever I was around, um, like twenty two ish, twenty three was when I really started to retransition, and then I kind of just found, you know, I, I tried to transition retransition into like a gay male. And it just wasn't who I was. You know, there was still so much darkness there and misunderstanding. But I found solace in gender fluidity and just learning there is a gray area and, you know, really listening to like and reading up on what two spirits are, you know, and like where that is spiritually. And then also like, you know, where uh, gender fluidity stands, right, in that gray area. And that's just kind of where I fit. You know, I don't – I can't tell you – like some days I feel um, like a nut and sometimes I don't. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I, I was there, am I right that there was a, a period where there were some reactions from members of the trans community that it, it was perceived as sort of a rejection of transness, and I, which obviously was not, but um, how does that sort of look now? Well, you know, honestly, I was a, I was a locally famous drag queen. Um, and even more so, everyone in my small town knew who I was because I was also the openly trans person. Um, you know, and I, I went to college and everything as a trans woman, you know, living my life, uh, lived a professional life and personal, um, out and about freely for as much as I could, you know, at, at least high, at least college and stuff, um, and work. So, you know, and in a small town, everyone knows somebody like that. You know what right. I mean? If you're, if you're special, everyone knows who you are. So, um, I was very involved in like the Tennessee Transgender Political Coalition, the Tennessee Equality Project. I was also on the board for like the PFLAG chapter of the area. Again, it was another time in my life where there was like some question there. So what I did was just push myself into being a part of this community as much as I could and like showing my worth to the community to feel worthy. Does that make sense? So um, whenever I detransitioned or retransitioned, I like to say, Um, a lot of people that I worked with and supported and really fought for were extremely offended because, you know, to them, um, I was like their hero as a trans person, you know what I mean? And for me to retransition and decide not to live the life they're struggling to make it through invalidated their transition in their minds, you know what I mean? And it, it, in one way or another to those people invalidated all the work that I had done and, you know, just put a really bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. I got a lot of hate about it. You know, I got a lot of misunderstanding. People literally had known me for the entire time they they had known me as a female. Like, my nieces didn't even know me as a boy. You know, they were too young to even know me in high school like that. They only knew me as a female. So then that was also another thing was, like, my family, like, retransitioning with me. Because to this day, my family doesn't call me David. They call me D. Um, ever since the respect from that situation. So it's just interesting, you know, but also, you know, since then there's been a lot of discovery about gender fluidity and neutrality and queer. And um, I think it's also another story that needs to be told because there is a gray area there. And, um, you know, I, I was pushing myself in a really negative direction of like doing 
you know, a lot of hormone therapy that wasn't legal. It was just, you know, anywhere I could get it. Um, you know, <clears throat> I was almost to a point where I was going to get alterations done to my body illegally. You know what I mean? It could have been a really dangerous situation I was going to put myself into. And luckily I found, um, you know, solace in gender neutrality and retransitioning because I could have like really made some mistakes that I've seen people make, you know? It makes so. sense to me that you use the word retransition instead of detransition because detransition <laughs> implies sort of like up and back and retransitioning yeah. sounds just more like it's sort of An moving evolution. forward into a, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what the best term for it is too. I was speaking with another um, gender fluid person um, that I'm friends with, uh, Jacob Tobia. He wrote, he wrote a book. Um, oh yeah, yeah, we've had Jacob on the show. Yeah, so Jacob, I was speaking with them and um, we were talking about retransition and detransition and stuff. And it's just like retransition is just a more respectful way so that people that are somewhere in the grain um, don't get offended like you, like you feel like you need to go back. It's not about going back. Regardless of how you look, you're a progressed version of yourself. So it's always a retransition, I feel. And I, you mentioned one guy that uh, I know was in the picture, but in general – as all of this was happening in your kind of pre-drag race life, what did dating look like for you and sex and relationships? Well, you know what? Honestly, as, as a trans individual, I was extremely fetishized and sexualized in the area I lived in. It was very that, you know what I mean? It was, there wasn't a lot of like real, even the, even the guy, I did date a guy for like two years of it. And even him, our relationship was very sexualized. You know, and I just think that a lot of times the trans community deals with the same thing that um, I think people of color in the gay community deal with. I think um, some Latinos, I think, um, you know, a lot of people, basically anyone that's different in the community, in our community, I think the LGBT community gets heavily sexualized. It's just kind of a thing. <clears throat> I don't know why. You know what I mean? I think uh, especially... Um, Black men and trans people, especially, I think, get heavily sexualized in the LGBTQ spectrum um, for whatever reasons. I don't know the exact, especially I can't speak on people of color because I'm not, but uh, from viewing it, that's why I compare it. Uh, with being trans, though, I think it's just very fetishized, and there's still such a gray area on people's understanding of what trans is when it comes to sexual, like even in our own culture, um, gay men are very like, oh, well, you just want to have sex with straight guys. You know what I mean? And it, Or it's also very like, um, if you're a male that's interested in trans people, you automatically assume, oh, well, you're just bi-curious. You're bisexual. You're gay. Well, maybe to them, they're not. You know what I mean? In their minds, they are attracted to women, regardless of the appendage. You know what I'm saying? They're not attracted to men or they would be with men, you know? So it's interesting, you know, um, I guess it just depends on where you fall. But that was kind of my goal, my thing. Um, I was just, you know, heavily sexualized. I did things that I don't agree with now. You know what I mean? Because I felt like I had to. It was like my only options. You know, there's definitely some, I don't want to say regret, but there's things that I definitely wouldn't do now um, that might have appeared fun at the time. <laughs> mm. but, but wasn't the healthiest decisions, mama. Right. What's well, I mean, your relationship status work. now? Oh, my oh. relationship status. No, yeah. you're fine. Yeah. Uh, moving on. My relationship status now is uh, single. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm like, you know, I have some close friends, but um, I'm not dating anyone seriously. I tried, but I just don't really know how to do that. Um, meaning like I'm still dealing with so many like 
personally, I have like trust issues from like childhood type trauma shit where I just don't, you know, my expectations and my trust level so skewed um, that I don't really understand how to be in a serious relationship at this time of my life. So I just don't. And I feel like if it was meant to happen, that would just kind of come to, right? If it's messy, then walk away. That's what I usually say. But it's also a defense mechanism. So I don't know, girl. <laughs> right. But it's I hard imagine today. Fame makes it, it is hard today. even more complicated. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? I, I don't. I wouldn't know. But fame does make it more complicated because I mean, most people, you know, it's like it's weird. Girl, I'm gonna be real. It's just weird feeling like you're fucking a fan. It's just weird. Sure, it makes you comfortable. Um, you know, so it's like you. If it's the first sign of like um, overexcitement that you're Eureka from Drag Race, it's not that it's a turnoff, but it just it makes you very uncomfortable because you're just like, you don't want it to be because of that. And also like, there's a fear there too, that you're like, you don't want to seem or feel like you're taking advantage of that power either. You know what I mean? Especially in a time where we live in such a sensitive culture sexually, it's just like, it can have its awkward moments for sure. So how do you then meet folks? Are you on the apps? Yeah, I mean, I'm on the apps, but it's usually just people trying to say hi. And of course, like, you know, honestly, of course, I'm on the apps, I guess, you know, I don't really get on them very often. I do it just for the attention, to be honest. I like it. Yeah. When, I mean, personally, I love it when I get a couple of dick pics just to make me feel good about myself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, mostly the people that I actually talk to, like um, semi-emotionally or even sexually most of the time are people that DM me like directly on like Instagram or Facebook and, and they just stay consistent about it and show their interest, you know, like if someone has to really be consistent with me before I pay them any attention. And it's okay if they are a fan, it's just a matter of like showing genuine interest in addition to that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I love drag race too. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, my ex, I, we would have conversations about that where he would be like, oh, I don't, you know, sorry, I don't want to talk about Drag Race. I'm like, no, I love talking about Drag Race. It's my favorite show. You know what I mean? Mm. It's not about that. It's just, you know, it's just, um, so other people are a little more uncomfortable about that part than me. It's just, if you're like, if our first date, you're talking about everything you love that I did on Drag Race, it just gets kind of uncomfortable. Sure. You know? Yeah, there's a power differential. Yeah, and there's also like, I mean, there's definitely some uh, confusedness going on because you're just like, um, okay, well, you know, I know that you are a retail worker, but I'm not talking about how good you hung up them clothes today. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. So for our listeners who are interested, it's, it's, they should know the DMs are open. <laughs> DMs are wide open. You heard it here first. No, ain't nothing wide open over here in the house of O'Hara, Mama. The Eureka's <laughs> castle is closed. <laughs> And if these do you have? Get off I know, right? Or unless they're just staying on Grinder and and not, you know, doing anything with no, it, then no, fine. that's not true. You know, these boys are hooking up around here. I can't take it. I have had so many messages more than ever, and I'm just like, wow, y'all are really home bored, huh? I was like, yeah. you know, you know, the kids are bored when the phone's blowing up on Grinder. I was just like, <laughs> I can't do it. This guy the other night literally convinced me to like video chat with him on Grinder and sat there and talked my ear off for like two hours. And I was literally just like, please shut up. I can't take it. It was too much. Two hours. I mean, not two hours. I'm being exaggerating, but an hour. 
of my precious time just talking about just craziness about himself. And I was just like, well, this is not what I thought this was going to be at all. Because <laughs> that's kind of what a first date is now in the in the age of coronavirus is. Well, I know, wasn't looking for a first date. <laughs> right. <laughs> you were looking for a... Uh, well, I, I thought it was going to be a cam show, girl. I was too excited. <laughs> uh, we're here is the show. It's uh, on HBO <laughs> starting April third. April 23rd. April 23rd, Mama. Here we come. We're here. Listen, I'm so excited about it. And this is why HBO is doing such a platform show around queer culture. First of all, that's iconic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, also, there's like billboards going up everywhere. Like I've been, you know, no one's out and about, which sucks. But there's like billboards and like posters on the side of buses and like on Melrose and all this crazy. So it's just like, it's beautiful to see the way it's being pushed. Of course, there's no foot traffic, but... I think with everyone inside, it's only going to push people to watch it more. I'm really excited about it. Right. Right. You, you yeah. have a captive audience. Cool. Yeah. You got to watch it? Uh, yes. Uh, congratulations. Eureka, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, anytime. <laughs>